preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Let's go ahead and again bow in a word of prayer and we'll get right into this morning's message. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you came and was preaching the gospel that we could get saved. And uh, Lord, as we look at some things this morning, we're just going to be touching a little bit of, of this great subject. And I just ask that you would stir our hearts, Lord. And, and um, Lord, there's someone here that does not know you as their Savior. God, that they would get that uh, finalized this morning. Lord, that they make that decision. Uh, Lord, there's too much at, at risk and too much um, to, to not, not get saved, Lord. It really is. There's, no, it's, there's just too much at stake. And Father, I just ask that you would just bless this morning's message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So this morning, I just have a message here talking about the citizenship of the kingdom. Citizenship of the kingdom. And so trying to kind of do a review of the kingdom of God. Um, now, all this year, we're going to be looking uh, at the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so this is the theme that we have for this year. We're looking at different uh, aspects of it. But why are we focusing on this theme this year? Um, I mean, you know, why, what's the point of, of the kingdom of God? Why, why are we even wanting to learn about it? Well, first of all, because there's so much confusion about what the kingdom of God even is. I mean, even the disciples themselves didn't understand it when Jesus was talking to them about it. And if they didn't understand it when, and hearing it firsthand, there's a lot of people in this world who have no idea what the kingdom of God is. And... Um, and so we're going to be learning all about that throughout this year. But this morning, we're going to be learning about the citizenship of the kingdom and, and uh, learning more about that this month. Um, but here in this scripture, we see Jesus shortly after the temptation in the wilderness. He is now boldly proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, uh, there are only two kingdoms in this world. Though it may seem that like there's more because there's all the multitude of nations that we have uh, on our earth, but really there's only two kingdoms. And those two kingdoms are the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. And uh, so I want to do a comparison of these two kingdoms and really help us understand some of the difference. Now, we may be covering ground that that pastor has already taught us and he's preached about, but it's good for us to review this material and understand it. Uh, so just have a couple of comparisons. First of all, we see their origin. The origin of the kingdom of men happened at the rebellion of Adam and Eve against the command of God and choosing to become gods, in a sense, themselves. Uh, so that rebellion is when the kingdom of men started. Now, the kingdom of God originated with God. Location. Uh, the location of the kingdom of men is the world and the physical uh, around us. This is what we see, touch, feel, uh, hear, all the senses that, we, that God has given us. This is the kingdom of men, this earth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Now, uh, the kingdom of God is within us. Um, it is within us that will one day become a physical kingdom after the tribulation and Jesus returns. They'll be called the kingdom of heaven. They'll become one. Um, 
So John, or sorry, Luke 17, 21 says, uh, Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It is an invisible kingdom that we are a part of, and it is within us. Um, they each have a different ruler. The ruler of the kingdom of men is Satan himself. Even though men thinks he's in charge of his life, in fact, he isn't. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Ephesians 2.2 also says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You want to know the reason why the lost people act the way they do? is because they're being manipulated and uh, walking the course of the prince and power of this air, which is, of course, Satan. He's the one who's, who's motivating them to disobedience. Ephesians 6.12 also says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So this world, even though men think that they are ruling it, really they're not. There is, there is an unseen presence of Satan that is pulling the strings and uh, manipulating mankind into rebellion against God. Now, the ruler, of course, of the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, because I want you to see this. It's a, it is a, uh, a familiar passage of Scripture, yes, but I, I want you to read it for yourselves. So John chapter 18, verse number 33. Now we know this is that towards the end of, uh, of, of Jesus' uh, life here on earth, uh, as he is standing before Pilate, it says here, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation. And the chief priests had delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said thus, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So we see here that Jesus is the king of this kingdom. We'll look at that uh, also in Revelation seventeen fourteen says here, this, uh, These shall make war with the Lamb, talking about Jesus Christ, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. 
So one day he will return again as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he will usher in the millennium. Now, uh, morality, the kingdom of men is corrupt. It is evil. It is sinful. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Galatians 1.4 says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. I mean, you see all around us, you can't, you can't but read the news. You see something that's happening, someone's you know, either murdering someone else or stealing. It's just, it's corrupt down here. But in the kingdom of God, it is holy, it is peaceful. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. But let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When the Holy Spirit starts to have more uh, control of your life, you're going to start seeing the fruits of it. that we see the, the nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. Uh, you start seeing that love, that joy, that peace. That is, these are things that the Holy Spirit gives to us and, and enables us. We don't have to live and, and do the things of the world in order to, to get this happiness and the joy, but God has actually given it to us um, already. Now, length of time. Kingdom of men is only temporary. It is coming to an end. Matthew 13, verse 40 says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Verse uh, 49 also says, So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 3 as well. And verse number 7. The world that we live in, this earth that we inhabit, is only temporary. It will pass away. It will be destroyed in the future. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, 
What manner of persons ought you be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So this world is going to pass away. It's going to be burned up. It's going to be consumed in fire. Uh, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So when that kingdom of God is, it is eternal. It starts within us. But one day when this, when this happens, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth that will be there for all of eternity. Luke one thirty three says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob, talking about Jesus Christ, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. His kingdom shall never end. Turn with me also to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. This morning I just kind of wanted to do a little bit of a comparison because there are only two kingdoms. John chapter 10, verse number 27. Here is Jesus Christ speaking to His disciples. Verse number 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. He has given us eternal life. It will never end. It will never perish. Because if, if, if the life that He gave us was not everlasting, if it wasn't eternal, then He wouldn't have used those words. Because everlasting and eternal means without end. There's a condition. The kingdom of men is condemned or judged for hell in the lake of fire. Psalm 96.13 says, Before the Lord, for He cometh, for He cometh to judge the earth, He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. Acts 17.31 says, Because He hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto all men, and that He hath raised Him from the dead. I'm thankful that in the kingdom of God, we're forgiven. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 3. It's funny that Georgina had mentioned this morning about John 3.16 because we are forgiven. Kingdom of God, we are not under condemnation. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But he that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, 
because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Lastly, we see there's a citizenship. With the kingdom of men, it is automatic. As soon as we are born into this world, we are automatic citizens of the kingdom of men. But with the kingdom of God, it is conditional. You must be born again. These are but just a few of the comparisons between the kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. But this morning, I would like to focus on that last one and look at the requirements for citizenship into the kingdom of God. First of all, this morning, that Jesus is the door to the kingdom of God. You see, to become a citizen here of Ireland, there are three ways to do so. You are either automatically given it upon birth if you were born before 2005, or you can apply for it if you're born after 2005, or if your parents, grandparents, or great-grandparents were Irish citizens. So those are two ways that you can get it. Either you're born here in Ireland before 2005, or if you have association, or if you were born here after 2005. And then, or if you're under specific regulations and are a legal resident for five years and can apply for it. So except being born a citizen before 2005, none of these are guaranteed to be granted, though, especially that last one. Even though you may apply, if you've been here for five years and you apply for citizenship, does not mean that you will get it. It is up to the, the minister of justice uh, whether or not he will actually grant you to have citizenship. Um, that's just kind of, there's conditions. Now, when all of us were born of our mothers, though, we instantly became the citizens of the kingdom of men. And our king or father is Satan. Acts 17, or that's not Acts 17.31. Anyway, uh, it says, uh, You are of the father of the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. I had the wrong scripture reference for that. Uh, it's not Acts 17.31. We looked at that earlier. Um, but Jesus is saying here that we're of the father the devil. And that's the reason why people are so wicked. They, they do such horrendous things. And that's why we are so prone because, to, to want to sin. is because we do the lusts of our Father. Um, and He is the Father. And he is the God of this, of this King. He is the King of this, of this realm. But in order to gain entrance into the citizen, uh, and citizenship into the kingdom of God, there is only one requirement. You must come through Jesus Christ. He is the only door that permits entrance even into the kingdom of God. Turn with me to John. Uh, you, should, uh, you should be in John still. But look at John chapter 10 and verse number 7. Now Jesus here, is, He's using kind of a... a um, He's referencing, he's using an illustration of, to, to tell them who he is and, and the importance of, of trusting him. 
John 10, 7 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now the thief uh, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they ha- may, might have it more abundantly. And so we see here uh, that Jesus is saying, look, the only way that you want to have eternal life, the only way that you're going to be able to have uh, life and salvation is you have to come through the door. That's the only way. Any other way is you're a thief. You're a robber. You know, if someone tried to come into my house through one of my windows, uh, he's going to meet something very nasty at the end of it. Because he's not welcome to come in that way, unless I know about it beforehand. But either way, uh, if it's especially in the middle of the night, not good for him. Um, that's why we have a door. A door is, is, allows people to come in that we want them to come in. And Jesus is the door. <laughs> Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 6. Well, this door you can't break in. <laughs> Men have tried and they have failed. Uh, John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So no matter what man has tried to do, they cannot go in and have no access to the Father except through Jesus Christ. The world says that there are many other doors that give entrance to God and the kingdom of God. These would be the different religions of the world. Now Jesus calls them thieves who are seeking to ruin people or to take advantage of them in some way. Outside of biblical Christianity, religion is a very wealthy business. And sadly, they deceive many people out of their money. There have been numerous religions all over this world before Christ. And sadly, they were all corrupt as they were worshiping devils instead of God. Deuteronomy 32.17 says here, They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Psalm 106 verse 35 says this, but were mingled among the heathen, talk about the Israelites, and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. 1 Corinthians 10.20 says, But I say, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have fellowship with devils. You may think, well, that was, that was 2,000 years ago. Nobody's doing that now. Nobody's sacrificing their children. No one's 
uh, sacrificing to these devils and these demons and things like that. Well, let's actually look at Revelation 9.20. I want you to go there, actually. Revelation 9.20. This is talking about during the tribulation. People may not be sacrificing to Dagon and Ashtaroth and all the, the different gods of the Old Testament. All they have is just changed names. And the biggest one that people are sacrificing today to is themselves. The God of themselves. That's what abortion is all about. You know? It's all about me. What I feel. My, what I don't want. And that is sadly uh, great destruction. Revelation 9.20 So as the, the plagues that God is, is giving to the, the people that, who are uh, under the wrath of God during the, the, the tribulation years, Revelation 9.20 says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship what? Devils. And idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Devil worship is still going quite strong. Just a different name, different, different areas. It still happens. And so men have tried any other way to be able to open through this door. They are the thieves. They are the ones who are trying to sneak in, destroy, and, um, and sadly, a lot of people's lives are ruined because of this. But there's only one key that opens this door. The only one key that will open the door um, to be able to get into the kingdom of God. Mankind and the world has tried to unlock this door their own way since the fall of man. They have used the keys of uh, they used several different keys. The first one they have tried to use of their own merits. They tried to be sincere by charity, humility, self-depravity to try to unlock this door. They think, well, if I, if, as long as I'm just sincere, you know, I, I, I believe in God. If I'm just sincere, that, then I'll be able to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Sadly, no. Maybe if I was just charitable, man, you know, if I, I give my, my life to other people, if I give my wealth, my money uh, to different organizations, that'll surely earn me into, uh, uh, access into to the kingdom of God. Sadly, no. Some people say, well, I'll just deprave my life and, and live humble and, and live in a stone hut and, and, uh, and on some island somewhere and, and live all by myself and, and, uh, uh, and isolate myself. Sadly, no. And sadly, some people try to do self-depravity, meaning uh, try to, to somehow earn by, their, by making themselves suffer that they'll be able to earn God's favor. They have all tried in the, in to unlock this door, and sadly, that key will not work. They have also tried using the keys of people, meaning they have tried using the merits of the name of Mary, the apostles, maybe Buddha, Joseph Smith, maybe the different saints, and many others. They've tried these this way, 
You know, maybe this, is, this will be able to get me into to heaven. And sadly, that key does not work as well. They have used the keys of their works. Well, if, if I was just baptized, that would, that would automatically make me uh, a Christian, right? Sadly, no. Baptism does not give you access to that door. Maybe if I, if I just go to church, uh, surely going to church and being a member of a church, that will be able to open that door, right? Sadly, no. Maybe if I give all my money to the church, surely God would, would bless that. He would, he would acknowledge that. Um, maybe my service to others. Um, you know, maybe if I, if I do all the sacraments trying to earn God's favor, that somehow I'll be able to, to open this door. And sadly, the door remains shut. Maybe if I just have, uh, you know, if I, if I take part of the communion and, and uh, the Eucharist, and, and uh, surely I'd be able to unlock that door. And yet that door remains locked because they're using the wrong key. Maybe they've tried to use their own key of their own rebellion and their own philosophies. You know, we read in Genesis about the Tower of Babel. I mean, they tried to build a tower all the way up into heaven because they wanted to overthrow God. What about the philosophies of relativism, naturalism, humanism, and atheism? You know, thinking, well, uh, if you want to believe in God, that's, that's fine. Just, just believe in God. That's all it takes, right? Just a belief in God. No. Because the Bible says even the devils believe in God. So what key opens this door if none of these other ones will? And the only way that this key, or what the key that can open this door, is by being born again in faith. That is the only key that will unlock this door, is faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross for your sin. Turn with me again back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Man has tried all these other keys throughout the ages, but there is only one key that will unlock that door, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way. That is the only way into the kingdom of God. John 3, verses 1-7. through 7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews, so he was a very religious, a very devout man. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, uh, as long as you're religious. Is that what it says? No. It says except, saying, this is the only way. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you see, there's only one condition. You have to be born again. Look at verse number 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now again, this is a very unusual saying that Jesus has now told this man Nicodemus. He was an older man. And so he's trying to scratch his head, How in the world can I be born again? You know, it's a, it's a valid question. Verse 5, Jesus goes on. He says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, which is, a, is the physical birth, 
and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So here he's saying, look, there's got to be two births. The first one is what we all go through. That is the water birth. You know, you're, you're born uh, of water. It's not talking about baptism. This is your natural birth. Every child goes through this. Every person goes through this. This is the first birth. But you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. That's that second birth. Being That's what it means by being born again. So how can you and I be born again? It is so simple. You see, Jesus already showed us this morning in our, uh, our month's memory verse, which we look back in Mark 1.15, says that saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So what happens is, is you need to re repent and believe the gospel. But what is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the payment of your sin. Not just the sins of the world, yes it is, but for your sin specifically. It was because of your sin that Jesus chose to go to the cross and pay for it and redeem you from an attorney in hell and the lake of fire. You see, no one in here is self-righteous or good enough, nor will you ever will be, in order to open up that, that door to the kingdom of God. Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Um, you know, these are familiar verses, but Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no way that we can uh, just waltz right into to the, to the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, none of us in here are, are good enough to earn salvation, nor will we ever be, because we are sinners. No one in here can be, you know, try to work themselves well, I'll just become better, and then, then I'll get saved. You know, I've got to work on some of these things that I'm dealing with, and then I'll get saved. It doesn't work that way. God wants you as you are. You don't have to, to, to quit things and try to, to become holy in order to be accepted by God. God takes you as you are, a sinner. And, and when you come to Him and you confess and you repent of your sin, that's when He, uh, he starts to work in your life. You see, it's our sin that separates us from God, and it brings us under condemnation. You must come to a realization that Jesus died for your sins, and God then tells us to repent of our sin. To repent is a turning away of them in our way of life now, and instead turning, and instead turning towards faith in God, forsaking the sins of your past. Now, none of us in here can remember all of our sins. You know, I can't remember all the sins that I committed last week, you know, much less the rest of my life. But when the time come, when I, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I knew that I was a sinner, that I was on my way to hell, and that the, the life that I was living, even though I thought I was a very godly young man because I, I stayed away from a lot of the things of the world, and I, I wasn't into partying, I wasn't into drinking, drugs, anything like that, I was actually a very good young man. But I realized that, I knew that in the depth of my heart, the things I thought, the things that I did, uh, the lies that, that I had told even as a young man, that I was guilty of that. And that I, because of that, was destined and judged to be going to hell 
and that the only way for those sins to be forgiven was through Jesus Christ. And when I, and I realized that, I said, you know what? I need Christ. So I went forward, and someone showed me how to get saved. I repented of my sin. Now, does that mean when I, when I, when I got back up that I was now sinless? In the eyes of God, yes. But I still have this flesh, and I still commit sin. But here's the thing. In God's eyes, I am now forgiven. And, I, and when after I got saved, I said, you know what? I don't want to live like I was before. I want to live like I should. Now, that's where sanctification comes in. That's where sanctification is, you know, God is working on us. He's, he's like that potter, you know, as, as, as you're sitting there on that, on that wheel, and He's molding you, and He's making you, and, and sometimes there's some blemishes in our life. Look, we all have them, you know, uh, and he's working on them. And sometimes it takes a while to get rid of some of those blemishes. But he's constantly trying to work you and, and perfect you to, into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And, and so he helps you. And, and as, you, as you yield your life to the Holy Spirit and yield your life to God, those blemishes start to, 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 to be removed. And your life becomes cleaner and more peaceful and more... And, and, and you see this, the fruits of the, of the Holy Spirit begin to, to show up in your life. Sometimes it takes longer to get through some of the things in our life. But um, it's that forsaking of that, that, that sin. You know what, look, we're all going to sin still. But we shouldn't desire it. That's the thing. That's the change. Rather, you know, sometimes, sometimes it just it happens. And, when, and sometimes our flesh gets the best of us. But that repentance is no longer wanting that sin, but instead wanting the things of God, wanting to live for God. See, faith is believing what Jesus has done for you. And there is no other way that your sin can be forgiven. Because if there was, then Jesus would not have gone to the cross for you. If there was any other way for you to be forgiven of your sin, then Jesus would never have went to the cross. But because it was the only way for you to be forgiven of your sin, that is why He went to the cross and paid that awful price because of His love for you. Can I ask you this morning, have you used that key yet? You see, God has offered it willingly to anyone who would take that key and open the door and step through to be forgiven. You cannot earn this key by your own works and your own merit. It is a key that God offers as a gift, but you must receive it and you must enable it. I'm not talking about a work salvation here. But, we, but God has given us, He's given us the truth. He's given us the understanding that Jesus Christ died for us and, and paid the, 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 the price of our, of our sin. And He's given us the gift. And all we have to do is, is use what He has given and believe and, and, and open up that door putting our belief completely, our, our faith completely in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's what will open up the door of salvation. See, I can give Patrick here the, the, the door or the key to my door at the house. I can give it to him. But until he actually uses it, it's worthless to him. And if he uses it in the middle of the night, I'm going to beat him. <laughs> but here's the thing. God has given, He has offered salvation to you. But you have to receive it and believe. It has to be used. 
It's not a work salvation. It's just that there's an enactment of our faith and belief that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so this morning in conclusion, there really are only two kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of men and the kingdom of God. And there are many differences as we looked at between the two. We are automatically citizens of the kingdom of men at birth, but there is only one way to gain citizenship into the kingdom of God. In order to gain entrance and citizenship into the kingdom of God, there is only one requirement, and you must come through Jesus Christ alone. He is the only door that permits entrance into the kingdom of God. See, the door into the kingdom of God is locked and can only be opened by one key, which is faith. Mankind and the world has tried to unlock this door their own way since the fall of man. They have tried many different keys, and every single one of those keys have all failed. The only key that will work is your faith in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross and the resurrection. You know the greatest thing about that is? It only takes one time. That's it. You don't have to, to, to keep on trying to, to use this key to open up into to getting eternal life. No. As soon as that door is open, it's open for the rest of eternity for you. You don't have to keep on saying, well, man, I blew it. I, I, I must have lost my salvation. I, I did some grievous sin. Look, that key is a one-use key only. And when, that, when you have used it, that door is wide open for you for the rest of eternity. You never have to worry about that door being shut and you being locked outside because of whatever way you have lived. God's not like that. Your faith enables you because He has given you eternal life and there is nothing that you can do to lose it. But can I ask you this morning, have you unlocked the door to eternal life? Or are you still trying a key that will not work? Your only hope is Jesus Christ. And if you want to know more, about being born again and making sure that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, please see me after this morning's service. I would love to show you through the Word of God how you can know that you are in the kingdom of God, that you are a citizen, and that you can never lose your citizenship. God wants you to know. He wants you to know how you can be saved. He doesn't want you thinking, well, I hope one day that I'll be able to, to stand in heaven and when I die. No, He wants you to know. If you have any doubts, please, please see me after this morning's service. And uh, we're going to go ahead and finish there. And let's go ahead and, and um, stand together. And um, we'll turn to two, page 246. But as everyone's standing, I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you so much, God, that you have made it so simple for us to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Lord, that it's not of our own merit, of our own works, of people that have come before us that we have to try to, to live like them or pray to them. But God, that it is only through the faith in, in Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross for us. Lord, I ask, Lord, if there's someone here that does not know if they're saved, that they would trust You this morning. God, it's not worth an eternity in a lake of fire. We're not given another day. And I just ask, Lord, that, God, that someone will get saved this morning if they're not saved. And just help us to realize that, look, we are secure. There is no, uh, there's no way that we can lose our salvation because it is eternal that you have given it to us. It is a citizenship that is eternal 
and in no way can be revoked. I'm thankful for that. See, I, I can live here in Ireland. I can apply for citizenship. But you know what? They can revoke my citizenship. I'm an American citizen. They, America can revoke my citizenship. But yet, you can never revoke the citizenship of a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. And uh, Father, I do thank you again for your great love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.